You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the official free podcast of TheBarkBoard.com, your one-stop shop for all your Fresno State athletic news. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I am Lucio Reek, and joining me, as always, is the publisher of the Barkboard, Mr. Jackson Moore. Jackson, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Lucio. How are you doing? Oh, hanging in there. Uh, another one of those weeks where work just tends to be a little bit more busy than I'd like it to be sometimes. <laughs> but, you know, we're, we're back on game week again after taking another week off for a bye for the Bulldogs. And I bet you are ready to get back out there and kind of cover the Bulldogs here. Yeah, especially the way they came off the UCLA win as uh, someone that covers the team. And I know a lot of the fans, you see something like that and you want to get back the next day and see some more football. But uh, for the team, it was probably good timing because coming off of UCLA and Minnesota, two of the bigger, stronger, faster teams are going to see. There were some bumps and bruises and a bit of an emotional roller coaster over the last couple of weeks. So. For them, they appreciated the bye week, uh, take some time off, rest up, and get ready for this big stretch. Now, there was a couple of items that I did notice out there in the in a Twitter sphere, if you'd like to call it. Um, you know, some UCLA fans weren't too happy about the loss to <laughs> to Fresno State, and there's deservingly so, uh, since they haven't been able to beat the Bulldogs in the last three games, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, I guess there's a little bit of bad blood starting to develop there, and it's kind of turning a little bit into kind of a, a rivalry between the Bulldogs and UCLA, even though UCLA is in a Pac-12, uh, which they're not going to face very often, but uh, it, they're definitely going to have that one circled if it ever comes back around, don't you think, Jackson? Yeah, well, the Bulldogs are scheduled to go back to the Rose Bowl in 2021 and 2024, so we'll see if Chip Kelly's got it turned around in three years or if the Bulldogs can make it four in a row. Yeah, so that's going to be a very interesting one. And the Bulldogs, after that win, were starting to garner some uh, top 25 votes, weren't they, Jackson? Yeah, they they kind of lost favor after the Minnesota loss, but they got one back after the UCLA win. And after the bye week, I think they got forgotten because they lost that vote. So, uh. <laughs> it's usually what happens. You go on a bye week and people forget about you. Uh, but, you know, after they came out with that, uh, that development there, Minnesota fans took exception to that one, especially after they went ahead and beat uh, Fresno State. Uh, and, you know, they they were ranked lower than the dogs. Uh, do you agree with that, Jackson? I mean, well, the, after seeing what they did after those rankings came out, yeah, because they did not look very good against Maryland uh, last weekend. That was a, a little bit of a lopsided loss for them. And uh, uh, it kind of hurts when you're Fresno State. You hope that uh, Minnesota would have some momentum and. Uh, keep that going and have a good showing in the Big Ten, but uh, not a good start uh, against the Terrapins. Yeah, whether the bull, uh, the Bulldogs beat a team or lose to a team, you never want to see them go back and uh, you never want to see that team lose and continue to lose. You want to see them continue to win. That will make the Bulldogs look a lot more um, attractive, as you would mm-hmm. say, to the to the voters out there. And if the dogs are going to get back into the top twenty five, that's exactly what they need. Any of the opponents that the Bulldogs have faced in the past need to have a good showing in order in order to bolster their their resume, so to speak. Right, yeah, Jackson. You, you see it with San Diego State right now; they're getting a few votes, and they're two and one, just like the Bulldogs, I believe. But uh, they had their loss come against Stanford, who is obviously a top 10 team, and that's not going to hurt them too much, even though it was uglier than the Bulldogs' loss. And then their win against uh, Arizona State is a little more attractive than 
uh, Bulldogs went over UCLA since uh, Sun Devils were ranked at the time. So uh, even though uh, the Aztecs actually 3-1, and one, they had a narrow win over Eastern Michigan and Sac State. I'm still not sure if they're for real, but uh, because it was Stanford and they went on to beat Oregon, luckily, <laughs> last weekend, uh, that's the kind of resume that gets you a little more favor. Now, uh, I know we're going a little bit off topic here, but uh, isn't San Diego State actually facing Boise State this week? I believe they have a bye, and then it's Boise State, and they've okay. got to go to the blue turf. So I think that'll be a good measuring stick of how for real this year's Aztecs team is. And that'll give us a kind of an indication of where both of those teams oh, yeah. are. If we can, <laughs> we'll get a good look at them to see exactly what both teams have to offer. Now, if one blows out the other, then we know exactly where <laughs> they stand, right, Jackson? Right. And uh, Boise State, again, they had their chance to impress against a nationally ranked Oklahoma State. Dropped the ball there. Didn't look too good in that game. So uh, when you have that and then you had the Bulldogs bounce back against UCLA, it really changed the perspective of things that uh, they're back to about equal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so that's that's going to be an interesting development to watch next week as the uh, San Diego takes on Boise State. Now, where's that one being held at? Yeah, that's That one's in Boise. That one's in Boise. Uh, so that that's a, even going to be a different story there <laughs> as teams always tend to struggle once they go to the Smurf turf. Um, so we'll see how that develops next week for that game. But this week, the Bulldogs here in Fresno are going to be taking on Toledo, a another non-conference matchup. Uh, and Toledo last week took on one of uh, one of the Mountain West opponents in Reno, Nevada, and pretty much that game turned into a barn burner, didn't it, Jackson? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know if there was any more point, any more points scored anywhere across the nation when you combine them up. It was ridiculous. Both of those offenses were scoring like crazy. The final was sixty-three forty-four in favor of Toledo. So uh, not only was it a Mountain West opponent, but it's the Bulldogs' next opponent after this Toledo game. <laughs> exactly. So I assume that film is going to be studied pretty closely, <laughs> since it'll be very relevant for the next uh, for this weekend next. Um, for Toledo, it tells you again their offense is very good. Um, I mean, Nevada's defense isn't anything special, but that was the Rockets' second sixty-point game, and even against Miami, a top twenty-five team, they put up twenty-four in a losing effort. So. Uh, their offense is not anything to take lightly. Uh, their defense otherwise might be something to take lightly, though. <laughs> well, that's what, exactly what I was going to ask you, Jackson. Is both of these offenses really that good or both of these defenses really that bad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I mean, Nevada is a team that they're kind of an air raid. They like to put up points and they really haven't shown a defense that can back it up and Toledo looks like it's a little bit of the same again, just like their offense has kind of trended with these high-scoring games. Uh, they also gave up 49 on defense to Miami, Florida, so uh, that's back-to-back weeks they've given up 44 or more points. Uh, Fresno State is not a team that necessarily puts on points in that matter. Uh, they're a little more slower tempo than you know the Derek Carr days and that kind of thing, <laughs> but... Uh, this is a game where it should be one of Fresno State's higher point totals, and I expect them to get into the 30s for sure. Now, the, the, this should be a different type of a matchup for Toledo. You know, facing Nevada, being able to put up that many points, the Bulldogs have not been a slouch on defense. Uh, even last year against Boise State, they were able to hold them in check for the most part and have been relatively kept the scoring down 
for the past year or over the last year. And is this going to be more of the same or is is Toledo going to kind of pose a, a little bit of a challenge for the Bulldogs here? Yeah, I mean, the, the Bulldog defense has been really good the, the last year now. Uh, I mean, really, you take out the first three games from last year, of course, they went to Alabama and Washington. Those games didn't go so hot. But since then, uh, what, the last um, – 14 games the Bulldogs have given up no worse than 27 points um, most games they're under 20 points uh, they held Boise to 17 back-to-back weeks last year uh, Houston the high-powered team and even they got some unusual scores they only put up 27 against the Bulldogs uh, even the loss against UNLV they only gave up 26 points last year uh, now this year 21 to Minnesota 14 to UCLA um, it just seems like this Bulldog defense, regardless of the matchup, regardless of what they face, they know how to keep uh, the scores low, and the offense is usually controlling the clock to an extent. And um, you know they're not out there trying to score on the first play like again, like Derek Carr was able to do so many <laughs> times. When the Bulldogs score, they're going to take some time off the clock, uh, at least a few minutes. So um, again, Toledo's probably up there as far as the offenses they've faced since those Alabama and Washington games last year. They've got a lot of talent, two big-time receivers, and a quarterback who has uh, exceeded expectations in his first year, Mitchell Guadini. Um, You know, I could see Toledo maybe putting up the most points that the Bulldogs have given up in that stretch, but um, again, I wouldn't be surprised either if this high-powered offense gets held even in the 20s, maybe lower. Now this is uh, this is a team that I believe the Bulldogs have matched matched up against already once before in the past recently, right, Jackson? Yeah. So this is the fourth total meeting uh, they faced once in '05, which was a Bulldog blowout. Uh, once in '08 in Toledo, which was a double overtime thriller. And then the last, which is the Bulldogs won. Uh, they stopped a two point conversion. If uh, you didn't watch that game or forgot about it. Um, and then 2016 was the last meeting, and that one did not go well for the Bulldogs at all. And not many things did that year for Fresno <laughs> State. That was the one in 11 year. Uh, but I mean, Toledo was stacked. They had uh, their quarterback Logan Woodside, who just graduated this last season, who was uh, statistically Toledo's best that they've ever had. Uh, and then uh, running back, a name that is probably more famous now than it was to Bulldog fans than it was then, uh, Kareem Hunt, who is now the uh, starting running back at Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, if you're a fantasy player, you know all about him. He exploded as a rookie last year, one year after destroying the Dogs. Uh, but Toledo won that game 52-17 There's a, uh, against Fresno State. There's quite a few Bulldogs on this team that were in Toledo for that one and remember getting blown out and remembering that uh, it wasn't too pleasant of a day. Uh, Coach Tedford had the players raise hands uh, in practice or in the meeting rooms this week who was still here when that game happened. And uh, the report Coach Tedford got was that it it did not go well. (laughs) I think that's putting it a little lightly. Uh, Some of the players I talked to this week, they kind of try to forget about that game a little bit and – uh, a lot of them, it's like night and day what the atmosphere is like now compared to what it was back then. So it's kind of hard for them, even the ones that went through it, to look back on it and take it the same way it was as it was happening because the team's just so different right now. Now, do you, ex- do you expect to, some of these players are kind of looking for a little bit of a payback against this Toledo team? Yeah, I think some of them will be. There's Again, this team's kind of half-built on 
Deruders recruits that weren't so hot back then, but have been developed now and are really doing well and kind of half with uh, the plugins coach Tedford brought in or last year and now this year. So uh, kind of half the team has no bearing of Toledo at all. I'm sure, especially with the most of them coming from California area. Uh, while the other half, they know all about Toledo and uh, they're going to respect uh, the Rockets when they come to town. Now, as far as Toledo is concerned, who are the the people that the Bulldogs are going to have to kind of kind of watch out for uh, moving into this game? Yeah, as mentioned, the quarterback Mitchell Guadini. Um, they they had a big shoes to fill with Logan Woodside graduating last year, and uh, he has not disappointed. He's put up almost 700 yards and nine touchdowns in three games, only one pick. Uh, probably the thing that worries me the most is he's ran for 200 yards, almost 200 yards with two touchdowns so far. And that included um, 131 on the ground against Nevada. Uh, So this is going to be a little bit of a different animal than the Bulldogs have faced. Um, He's a junior, uh, but he's not much more experienced than the two true freshmen the Fresno State faced the last couple of weeks. So I don't know how much uh, extra intangibles you give on him for experience, but I mean, he he's playing the part right now. Um, and then again, that dual threat capability. Uh, Zach Anikstad and Dorian Thomason Robinson the last two weeks, uh, Minnesota and UCLA, they had some mobile uh, attributes, but they didn't really take advantage of them or schemed around them. So uh, Fresno State has, again, as we mentioned, they played well on defense, but pass rush is probably the one weakness. We haven't quite seen them both get pass rush and now they're going to have to do that and contain a mobile quarterback that can escape that pass rush if they get it. So uh, again, if Toledo is going to put up a good fight in this game, it's probably going to have to come down to Guadini making plays with his legs. Uh, But when he throws the ball, he's got two really good receivers that come down and get it. That's Deontay Johnson and Cody Thompson. Both of those guys have had a thousand yard receiving season already under their belt. Um, So, those two guys, they're, they've seen it all. They're going to come into Fresno expecting to go head-to-head with the Bulldogs stack secondary, and it should be a good matchup, strength versus strength, and it uh, should be an interesting one. Now, how do, how do the Bulldogs, uh, you know, with that, knowing all of that that's going on, how do they take advantage of that? Uh, how do they play to to Toledo and, and kind of shut that down? You know, notoriously, the Bulldogs – you know, in the past have struggled against mobile quarterbacks, but that was post, it was pre Tedford era. Um, you know, even Pat Hill days, you know, the Reuter days, they always struggled against those mobile quarterbacks. Is that going to be a problem for the Bulldogs this, this season? Well, I think Fresno state, when they win, especially <laughs> they've done a really good job of making teams one dimensional. So that's the teams that have been really balanced. Minnesota, they didn't pass the ball a whole lot, but um, they had a good balance and they were able to run clock and keep the chains moving. Same kind of thing with UNLV last year in that loss. They were just very balanced and were able to run the ball and get those short passes to keep the ball moving. Toledo, it sounds to me that the one kind of weakness is in the run game. Uh, they have not, other than Guadini really doing it himself with his legs, they haven't ran the ball very well. Um uh, Guadini has almost accounted for half the rushing yards. Um, they've only got one running back over 100 yards, 119. Uh, it's kind of been dispersed a little bit. So if Fresno State can do a good job of making them one-dimensional, uh, keeping that run game in check, and then uh, preparing for the pass on obvious passing situations, <clears throat> that'll make things a lot easier. 
and I think that'll give Fresno State a much better shot. Uh, again, the Bulldogs have done a good job of making opponents one-dimensional, but it's usually the other way around. It's usually stopping uh, run-heavy teams that can't pass very well anyway, and then it's obvious third and long, and uh, Bulldogs are just licking their chops <laughs> in that situation. So this is a matchup I'm interested in because of that. And again, I think Nevada is going to present kind of a similar look, more of a pass team, and then Hawaii a few weeks later as well, a very similar look. So this should be good preparation for the Bulldogs, and hopefully they put together an effective game plan they can go back to again twice in October. Well, they're going to have to because you know there's uh, uh, the Mountain West is uh, seems to be uh, pass heavy this season uh, as far as the teams are concerned. So uh, this is something that they're going to have to face, uh, you know, quite often this upcoming season. So uh, Toledo will be a good measuring stick just to kind of figure out where they stand defensively uh, in, you know, being able to face up against these offensive teams like this. Now, you know, we, we talk about how the defense is going to match up against their offense, but what does that mean for our offense against their defense? If Nevada is able to put up that many (laughs) points, Uh, our, our offense is starting to kind of click together at the moment. So how does the Bulldogs face, you know, a, a Toledo team that struggled defensively. Yeah. Um, I think the Bulldogs can uh, really take advantage. Of course, I think this is going to be their easiest matchup that they've seen uh, the last few weeks since Idaho. Uh, but they may not put up 40 plus points like Nevada and Miami did. And that's not a, uh, a hit to Fresno state by any means. It's just Nevada is kind of a, a popcorn offense they they want to pop and make those big plays and flash and that kind of stuff where fresno state they're going to be looking more to extend drives and uh they do hit the occasional home run pass but it's usually this offense scores by moving the chains and and getting into favorable situations uh, just down by down um so i can see fresno state again getting into the 30s but um i don't think it'll necessarily even on a good day be a huge uh, outpouring by the the Bulldog offense. We've against FBS competition. We've only seen them score forty one tops, uh, and that was against Nevada last year uh, with the Tedford era. So um, scheme wise, uh, looks like Fresno State's going to have their pick, run or pass <laughs> with this defense. <laughs> I think particularly in the pass game, this should be a little bit of a better matchup than the Bulldogs have seen in the last couple of weeks. And um, yeah, the offense, I'm not wor- too worried about. Uh, it's just the defense. Uh, as good as they are, it's going to be a really interesting matchup. Now, where it's going to be a big difference for the Bulldogs is whether or not the offense is going to be able to extend those drives, like you mentioned, to keep the defense off the field and be able to keep them fresh as long as possible. Um, you know, the Bulldogs like to be methodical going down the field, but uh, too many three and outs is really going to hurt this defense, especially with a high potent offense that Toledo is bringing in. Uh, to Bulldog Stadium. Is that something that's going to be in the back of the mind uh, in Coach Tedford is to keep that ball moving, keep the chains going uh, in order for the Bulldogs to be successful? Yeah, that may be the case. And I know the running game has been for Fresno State kind of good, but not great. Uh, Good might be even a little uh, (laughs) favorable for the Bulldogs. They believe they ran for 3.6 yards per carry at Minnesota and even only 2.9 at UCLA when it was all said and done. Um, so the running game has not been totally effective, but this is going to be a matchup where they're going to see a lot 
more of a favorable lineup against Toledo's defensive line. Again, Toledo, uh, they were really upperclassmen, heavy team. They've recruited very well. They've been very successful. They've won at least nine games in the last four years. Um, but Fresno State, this is more of an equal kind of recruited team. Um, and I think if Fresno State can really get the ball moving on the ground, they can kind of do what teams have done to them, where uh, Toledo doesn't have the ball as much, and if they have one turnover here or one penalty here, it kind of disrupts things and really gets them out of sync. And again, I think that's Fresno State's best shot there. Now, I mean, where where do you think the biggest mismatch is going to be for the Bulldogs against Toledo? Is it going to be is it going to be the play of the quarterback, or do you think maybe another position, maybe like the the mismatch with the tight end, the you know roaming the field a little bit, a little bit more freedom? Yeah, for me, it's just kind of the overall offense versus defense matchup because I think Fresno State's defense and Toledo's offense are going to butt heads and be pretty even, evenly matched, but. Uh, that could should kind of cancel it out, whereas Fresno State's offense is going to have their pick against Toledo's defense. Um, they're going to be able to run the ball and pass the ball, I think. And uh, as Nevada did last week, they passed for 320 yards. Um, they had a freshman, true freshman running back, run for uh, three or 170 yards and three touchdowns against Toledo. So, uh, again, I mentioned Fresno State's run game has been kind of good, but not great. And I think they've been here or there a few plays away from breaking the big one they they broke the big one against ucla that got called back by a phantom penalty but uh, this could be the game where the the run game kind of takes off makes those plays that the little things that they haven't quite gotten against power five programs now the bulldogs had a week off do you think that's going to play to the advantage of the bulldogs or maybe disadvantage uh, are they going to come out do you think maybe they'll come out flat considering that they haven't played ball in two weeks now i think it's good for the bulldogs and um you know with you think of the bye week as a whole week to prepare extra for an opponent and i'm sure fresno state has done that knowing coach tedford but it sounds more like as a team as a whole it's been more about rest about for the coaches getting back to recruiting they've went back to that a little bit more uh, so th- there hasn't been a whole lot of effort in that week put to this Toledo game. And in that matter, I think it was good for Fresno State because they came out of UCLA kind of banged up. Marcus McMarion, even he had, had some bumps and bruises against the Bruins, and uh, he's feeling a lot better now. And also for the team, kind of the mentality. They were, We talked to them last week, and they were still buzzing about that UCLA win. And I was kind of glad they didn't have a game that Saturday because I don't know how <laughs> how much their heads would have been in it the way they were still buzzing about that UCLA win. So in that matter, I think it's good for the Bulldogs. Um, I just don't know how much it will impact X's and O's in this one. But as far as the intangibles, big thing for Fresno State. Now you talk about like them being up on that high uh, after that game. <laughs> it, it brings back to those Pat Hill days where you know they'd be facing those big time opponents and win them, uh, you know, playing up to their level, and then come back home uh, and play someone a, a lot inferior to them and playing down to their level. So uh, I can see where you're kind of you've got that kind of feeling that this is a good thing for the dogs to kind of let them kind of come off that high and and just get healthy because they like you said they were pretty banged up marcus mcmarion i know was was very ginger after that game even in post press conferences post game press conference and he was you know favoring what seemed like 
his rib area. He he took a shot in those ribs, mm. and and it was probably probably having some after effects after the game on that. But uh, it seems to be okay now, and uh, we should see a lot of Marcus McMarion in this next game. Now, do you think if for some reason Bulldogs are able to get out way ahead on Toledo? They're going to pull the plug on, uh, on McMarion early just to kind of save him for that Nevada game. Uh, well, that was a, a topic that was brought up on the boards last week where Fresno State pretty much had the game in hand. But Marcus obviously was ribs or back or something in his midsection wasn't right. But he was still out there handing the ball off on that last drive and uh, wondering maybe why he was still out there. So uh, it seems like Fresno State, uh, the coaching staff – doesn't mind having him out there if it means putting the game away and I think against Toledo that might be even more important because uh, Toledo has the bigger playmaking ability to score in bunches and do it quickly and try to make a a run if that's the situation they're in in the fourth quarter Um, this game is interesting because I really respect Toledo I think they're a team that can come to Bulldog Stadium and win I expect the Bulldogs to win but um the the line on this one is double digits in favor of Fresno State, and I can see it going that way, and I can also see this being a very, very tough battle score for score kind of game, and uh, I think it's going to be a fun one. This is a kind of matchup we haven't seen in Bulldog Stadium for quite some time. It's one of those that matchups that make the Bulldog fans kind of nervous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think if we head back to uh, the DeRuder era, I believe the last one was uh, Tulsa, uh, where the dogs were up uh, by 35 yeah. points and ended up losing that game. Uh, probably the biggest margin of loss the Bulldogs have ever lost to, uh, um, comeback loss by another team that they've ever faced. And I think, isn't it kind of like an NCA record now? <laughs> Which is not a record you want to have. Um, but the. Toledo has that type of offense like a Tulsa uh, back then where they're able to go score points and score them very quickly. So if the Bulldogs have a lapse in in just concentration, it could very well happen again. Uh, but I doubt that that would happen with this type of a uh, uh, you know Tedford type of a coach team where he really touts the discipline uh, on his players so uh, this could be it could be interesting like you said it, it could be a punch for punch or it could be a, a runaway uh, it just depends on how the Bulldogs defense is able to just bend but not break uh, but that's going to be one of those that uh, only time will tell and only the game will tell us things start to develop during the game there but that being said um you know you you did mention dogs came out a little banged up is there any significant injuries to report on uh for this upcoming game yeah they uh they had some mumps and bruises but nothing that should keep a guy out for the for the long term or a game at all um, of course, Natani Muti with the Minnesota injury, he's out for the year, so we won't see him. Uh, the other two to watch are Micaiah um, Quick at receiver, who we thought sounded like he might be able to return for UCLA. We didn't see him, and so he's kind of questionable, and we'll have an update from him uh, from practice on the premium board. And then Ronnie Rivers is the other one where it seems like we keep hearing he's almost there, or no, he's not, or... Well, maybe you'll see him. So a little bit of a cat and mouse game uh, going yeah, on there. Yeah, there is a little bit, and I think Ronnie is actually really close. But 
again, there's a difference between him being cleared and then throwing him out there in a game the next day. That's not that might not be the and, best procedure. And so. there's a difference between him <laughs> wanting to get back yeah. in and the coaching staff letting him exactly. get back in. Um, so that you know, those are the those are the reports on those injuries. There any any kind of like little bumps and bruises uh, that are you know they have some, but should still end up playing. Yeah, I mean. Nothing major. A few of the guys have them, and going through fall camp and three weeks of football like they did, that's not too big of a surprise. But uh, nothing that should hinder the team. Nothing that we're aware of, at least. So that's uh, that is it in a nutshell. You know, we 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 report on what we know and what we're allowed to report. So <laughs> <laughs> that's that's where where everything is at on the injury front. Um, anything else you kind of want to point out during this game that's uh, that's significant? Uh, I mean, we we covered the bulk of it. Um, I guess the only thing really is if it's close, what, what happens with the kicking game? Because that's still <laughs> been a question mark. Uh, Asa Fuller uh, missed an extra point again against UCLA, and it sounded like that may have played a part in why the Bulldogs went for two they, uh, later in the game. They were able to make it go from an eight-point game to a ten-point game, which was big, but... I mean, if there's a risk, you're going to miss the extra point anyway. Why not? So, yeah. um, still got to figure those things out. Uh, he did make one field goal, so this is a game where, again, if it's a punch for punch, that leg might be very valuable at a crucial time. He needs to he needs to get that leg uh, dialed in uh, because uh, if yeah, like you said, if it's going to be punch for punch, those three points every now and then are very crucial in a ty- these type of games. And uh, the kicking game is going to need to be spot on in order in order to kind of help the Bulldogs out uh, moving forward. Uh, that being said, you know, we're, we'll switch gears now. Recruiting. I mean, there's going to obviously the Bulldogs got a chance to go out this week and were able to, you know, start in the recruiting front again. What more do you know about what's going on uh, recruiting wise for the Bulldogs? Yeah, it's starting to heat up, and it's been kind of a, a product of the schedule this year. It's been changed a little bit as far as the dead periods. Uh, basically, you know, a lot of July was dead, and a lot of August was dead, which means uh, the coach's ability to contact recruits is limited significantly. And um, there was a short period where they got in a bunch of visitors, and that's where the six commits came from <laughs> that are in this class right now. Um but again, there's not a lot of time in between there to schedule those kinds of visits and have players come out. We didn't see a whole ton of them at the Idaho game, just the local kids pretty much. Uh, so this weekend, they'll be able to bring in a lot more players. Uh, this bye week, they were able to travel across California and check out some players on Friday and see what they uh, can do in person. Um, so uh, it's been a little quieter this year than last year, but it looks like uh, the next couple of months are going to be kind of the the heated stretch here now we might you know going into this game we know there's going to be a lot of recruits there we know there's going to be quite a few could this be a, a game where there's a lot of those officials that we might actually get some more commits going into this game is there the, that possibility uh could be um most of the recruits i've seen that are going to be in that we know of ahead of time you know we usually report a comprehensive list on our premium message board afterwards but uh, as far as the ones that have rolled in now, they're mostly unofficial visits, which usually mean as long as they like what they see, they'll come back on an, an official visit later on in the year. Um, I know there will be a four-star recruit in the attendance that is not a name that Fresno State fans are probably f- too familiar with. 
um, which would be a, a big get if they can get him. And uh, he's been posted on the premium board and um, expecting uh, quite a few names that could be part of this class. So that, that you know, that's going to be interesting. You know, of course, Jackson and I will be down on the field, and and also Lorenzo is going to be in town and helping us cover this game. Uh, so between the three of us, we're going to keep our head on a swivel and just kind of kind of check it out and see if we can come up with some of those names for the our premium subscribers on the board. Uh, so we'll put a comprehensive list together as as we're able to kind of confirm who has made their visit uh, and and place those, like I said, on our premium board to, for our premium subscribers. Uh, so we'll we'll keep an eye out on that as the as we head into uh, the game there. They usually they usually come out and about before the game even starts. So we'll be able to kind of kind of gauge that and see where they are uh, recruiting wise. Um, But, you know, that being said, in the high school front locally, there is a big matchup going to be happening this week, Jackson, and that's going to be the, you know, central Grizzlies uh, facing off against Buchanan Bears, I believe, this week. So that's going to be an interesting matchup. That's going to be a couple of juggernauts going on it and a lot of recruiting implications there. There's a lot of top recruits in those two schools. Yeah, I mean, those two teams are some of the more high-powered we've seen in the Valley for quite some time. Buchanan's got the stars. (laughs) Central has kind of maybe players that aren't four and five stars, but they've got a lot of really good players and guys that will be going on to college, but... Uh, I mean, they're putting on an, an impressive offensive display. Uh, Trent Tompkins is a heck of a quarterback. It seems like him and Fresno State aren't quite a fit, but he's going to go on to do really good things wherever he ends up. Um, it, it'll be an exciting one. Uh, of course, at Buchanan, you've got five-star Kendall Milton, who continues to show love to Fresno State. If it happens, <laughs> whether or not, we'll see. And then Jalen Cropper, the four-star receiver, who is a legitimate uh, Fresno State option. He's got the Bulldogs in his top five. And uh, again, Central's got some talent. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, one of those guys in the next two years becomes a match, whether it's one of their top-end guys or maybe a preferred walk-on at some point. So uh, that'll be a big one, not only for the Valley, but for Fresno State in the future. Yeah, so there's there's a, a number of different matchups that are going to be, uh, a, you know, great to get out and take a look at and right now uh, as recruiting season starts to kind of heat up a little bit like jackson said the month of august was pretty much a dead period but september things are going to start to to move around again a little bit things are going to start to to move in in the recruiting front so we'll have to keep an eye out on that but there's Bulldogs have been hell, you know, been keeping their promise. They've been recruiting the Valley quite hard uh, since Tedford took over. And I mean, what do you what do you see about that? What's your overall thoughts on what Tedford's doing so far here in the Valley? Yeah, I mean, two classes down so far. We've seen a pretty decent Central Valley presence, and not only in the recruiting class, but having players transfer in. It seems like almost all the transfers that have come in are local guys that went off somewhere else, whether it was the big school or they didn't get recruited to Fresno State or weren't fans of the Druder staff and went elsewhere in the Mountain West. We've seen quite a few of those guys come back already. Um, and then in the Valley, uh, even this class with six guys, two of them are from the Valley with uh, Randy Jordan Jr. and Colby Warkentine uh, out of uh, Tulare and Buchanan, respectively. So um, I expect to see a few more come in. They've been given offers in Bakersfield, uh, Fresno, um, 
anywhere in the valley they're they're looking and it got a lot easier for them after whooping on UCLA a lot of the recruits and the coaches and fans they saw out there in the valley last week were all real amped and I've heard from the coaches specifically they they got a lot of praise for that one now things should the uh, things are looking good as far as the Bulldogs and recruiting in the valley the name is getting out there at least now when we head out to high schools and ask if the Bulldogs <laughs> have been there Coaches are saying yes. Yeah. Now, as to the DeRuiter era when we were out there and we, t- we would talk to coaches and they would say, Bulldogs who? <laughs> we have never seen any of the coaches out here. So things are changing. They are keeping their promise as far as Valley recruits are concerned. But that doesn't mean that they just stop in the Valley. They're still going out there, going after these high-profile players outside of the Valley. Mm. And, you know, with the way this program has turned around – how has that helped the Bulldogs as far as the recruiting outside of the Valley gone? Yeah, this year especially. We haven't quite – of course, they came in and uh, within two months, of the first when Tedford first got here, they actually put together a pretty decent class. But uh, it was mostly you know, two- and three-star guys. Um, last year, the majority of the class was put together before the Bulldogs turned things around. So now we're really seeing the impact this year where uh, there's a lot of – the really high three-star recruits and kind of the lower-end four-star recruits, there's, they're the ones that are starting to consider Fresno State. Earlier this week, we had in one day uh, three recruits that were four-star guys that have Fresno State in their kind of top schools that they're considering were reported, and those were all guys we haven't really heard of much before this week. So, uh, again, the word is getting out there. Their foot is in more doors than they were previously, and um, – this is really an opportunity for the program to snowball where we saw Carr really take the team in 2013 and then the recruiting didn't quite reflect that where we've seen you know even Boise State they've, they're on a roll where again they're not getting five-star guys or anything like that but it's a bit of a gap between the rest of the Mountain West just off of the success they have year in and year out and uh, their ability to build on that so this was a good step for Fresno State as long as they keep getting wins and uh, they should be able to start seeing a, a bit of an elevated level of recruiting. Now, we, we've seen a number of uh, – uh, we've seen plenty of running backs come in over the last uh, couple of years uh, in the recruiting class. Do they continue to go after running backs even though they have this deep class of running backs right now? And then is, is uh, Jorge Reina going to be the answer for, for next year's team for the, at the quarterback position? Yeah, running back, they they totally skipped it last year. It didn't take any running backs in the recruiting class, and it's going to be hard to do that two years in a row. But what they can do is be a lot pickier about who they take. And they may only take one, and they can be really specific on who they want. I know there's a few offers out there, but uh, they're probably going to try and get the best one they can and then maybe close up shop at running back from there and then uh, maybe recruit it heavier going forward. But you do want at least one guy in there developing, getting ready, because uh, the Ronnie Rivers and Jordan Mims and even Romello Harris, they're all going to be juniors next year. Josh Hokett will be a senior. So they don't need immediate help at running back, but they need to start getting ready for the future. Then at quarterback, you know, I'm not sure if we see a quarterback at all in this class. Uh, again, Jorge Reina seems to be as advertised. He's looked really good in practice and looks like he'll be able to step in right away. And then you've got three Young quarterbacks were all redshirting this year, see how they develop. And then uh, you already have a commit in 2020 with Jaden Casey, who uh, people think he might be uh, the future of the program there. So 
2019 might be a light class in the offensive backfield. So things uh, looks like it might this it looks like this year might be uh, defensive heavy. Then, yeah, I, I expect to see a few more receivers come in, and then big on linebackers for sure. Where the Bulldogs are going to lose a lot of seniors, which is kind of crazy because we talked about all the depth they had at the yeah. linebacker position, <laughs> which just means they're all in the same class. Yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be one of those years where they're going to have to reload on linebackers, and 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 of course, always going after those defensive linemen because you can. Never Never have too many of those, um, but as far as the backfield is concerned, in the in the defense in the defensive back area, how are they looking there? Yeah, as far as the defensive back goes, backfield goes, uh, I mean they're going to bring everyone back next year, but Tank Kelly. So <laughs> again, they don't really need a whole lot of immediate help. They're really building depth. Where Waylon Free at redshirt freshman, as a redshirt freshman at corner, and uh, Chris Gaston also a redshirt freshman who can play safety or corner. They look like the future. Aaron Mosby looks like the future, even though he's already a sophomore and uh, he'll be an upperclassman next year before you know it. Um, but they look pretty solid as far as the future goes there. Recruiting-wise, they already have three commits in this class. Half of the class right now is defensive back, so I don't know how much of an emphasis we'll see on that going forward. I think uh, probably most of the spots have been filled already for recruiting. Now, that's, that's a good thing for the Bulldogs, but... Um, you know, we've seen a lot in the last couple of years is where Tedford has been plugging in a lot of these uh, JUCO players uh, out of junior college. Is that going to be a uh, continuing trend or are they going to go ahead and start to kind of kind of turn things down as far as the, the JUCOs are concerned? Uh, not as many, but I think there are certainly some positions they can use them. A receiver being one. The Bulldogs have a lot of young talent, but we haven't seen much of them so far. And they could very well step in next year with the eight seniors that are going to be gone after this season. But uh, you don't really want to depend on it. You'd much rather have a transfer or a junior college guy come in that you can be a little more dependable with. Uh, linebacker, again, as we mentioned, is another one. They may need to plug some holes. Um but for the most part, they've done a pretty good job both establishing their starters and recruiting some talent to develop. And this whole redshirt or this whole freshman class they just brought in looks like only one of them is not going to redshirt Sherwin King. So you're talking about uh, almost 20 guys that are going to have a whole year where they don't have to play, they just develop, and that's going to build depth. You won't have as many four-year guys that didn't quite reach their potential, you'll have more fifth-year guys that are going to have that extra year to, to get ready. Yeah, so things are, things are looking, um, as far as the recruiting class is concerned, they're looking very well at the moment for the Bulldogs. Uh, and it's uh, a lot better than what we've been able to report on in the last few years prior to the Tedford uh, regime arriving. Um, the DeDruder era was... Pretty hit and miss, as, uh, <laughs> to put it lightly, uh, as far as recruiting was concerned. Um, but uh, now moving forward, Tedford looks like to have this recruiting uh, recruiting scheme pretty much well in hand as far as that is concerned. But that being said, Jackson, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Is there anything else you want to want to talk about before we head off? I've uh, just, again, a lot of content up on the message board, especially the premium board. We're out of practice all week in interviews and posting that. Uh, I've talked with the Toledo publisher for 24-7 Sports and gotten his intel on the Rockets up there. So you know, a lot of good stuff. And then recruiting. Came out with the recruiting hot board a little bit earlier this year. Um, not quite what we've done in the past. It's just a different landscape with the new early signing period. So 
uh, we've changed things up there. So if you're used to signing up in December to see the recruiting board, well, it's already up there <laughs> in September. And uh, it's a short one right now, and we're going to add on to it as the season goes because, uh, I mean, Tedford and their staff, they've made it clear they like to wrap things up in December. So um, when the, that early signing period comes, and so we're going to adjust and recover it, <laughs> cover it as so. Um, so we'll be hitting recruiting pretty hard the next couple months. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the next one could may or may not be uh, Connor Gomnes at San Joaquin Memorial. Uh, three-star lineman will decide on Saturday, so we'll see if the Bulldogs get a win before the game even starts. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So that's one that we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on because that's one that uh, he's going to make his decision, and right now we have it going one of two ways so uh and the, one of those ways is being with the bulldogs so well if if that does happen uh you expect to see that on our premium boards right away um so if you're not a premium subscriber now's the time to be one as the recruiting uh starts to heat up for the bulldogs uh if you're one of those who likes to know uh way ahead of time before the general public uh just remember that any recruiting information that we report on we usually can report on that, uh, you know, way in advance, even before the Fresno Bee gets that. So, <laughs> it, you know, one of our premium subscribers even jokes around that it's where the news gets their news. And sometimes that does happen. <laughs> so <laughs> just uh, for that being said, I want to thank everyone for joining us. Make sure you go out and follow Jackson Moore on Twitter at uh, Jackson Moore 247. Um, 247 or 247 Sports? Uh, just 24-7, yeah. I, I always forget. Uh, <laughs> Why do I always forget? So follow Jackson Moore on his Twitter at JacksonMoore247. Uh, uh, you can follow me at Red Wave Report on Twitter. Uh, you can also find us on our um, our boards. Just look for Jackson Moore and Lucio Arik. And make sure you head over to our Facebook page uh, for the Bark Board. Uh, and give us a like there as you will be notified on anything new coming through the pipeline uh, for the Bark Board. Uh, That being said, I want to thank everyone for tuning in and join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics.